And welcome to episode 82 of the Lace Em Up podcast. I'm Steve Ellsworth. I'm Brett Dubuff. And because we're nearing our summer break and uh, probably not going to be talking about hockey all that much, we figure we do not one but two episodes uh, because there was a lot of stuff that happened yep. this week. So this is episode 82. In episode 82, it's a Vegas special. 83 is coming Glitz. tomorrow, by the way. Yeah, this this will be up on uh, Monday. Episode eighty three is going to be up on uh, Tuesday. Yep. Um, so the Vegas draft happened on Wednesday, and um, spoiler alert: not everyone that was taken is still with the Golden Knights. In fact, um, word is from George McPhee that the roster still could go through some major tinkering. So uh, we're going to talk about who they picked. Um, who they probably should have picked that they didn't pick, um, what would, what their strategy was. And then, of course, um, the biggest stage of them all, uh, the NHL awards happened uh, at the same time. So we're going to rhyme off uh, who won what award, who was snubbed, and more importantly, who's the cover athlete for NHL 18. We've got that on tap as well. But first, shout-outs to all the players past and present who have worn number 82 in the NHL, Martin Straka was probably the longest uh, to wear that number. Colin White, although uh, unless he changes his number, it might not be for long, but uh, in his short stint with the Sens, Colin White has worn number 82. Uh, Donald Audette did with the Canadians from 2002 to 2004. Marion Gabrick as a rookie in 01 with Minnesota. How about that? He wore number 82. Uh, Marcus Foligno has worn that number since he uh, entered the league as a member of the Sabres. And uh, so did Thomas Kopecki, uh, I believe, uh, during his time with the Blackhawks for number 82. So to all of them and to all the players we didn't mention, this podcast is for you. And now, it's time to lace them up. Here's Brett and Steve. Um, yeah, so uh, we, uh, yeah, so Vegas finally has their team. Sorry, I'm a little distracted here. Just trying to find an email here. Um, and uh, well, there, there's a lot, there was lots to go on, to yeah, be fair. Exactly. Like, I don't yeah. think I've prepped for this much uh, hockey info in my lifetime yeah, yeah. for a, an entire weekend of stuff. Yeah, yeah. So, luckily... During, I, uh, I watched the award, so, by the way, as Steve just mentioned on in the intro, uh, the NHL awards and the Vegas expansion draft were at the same time. Um, so we're going to talk about Vegas, what Vegas did first, and then we'll talk about, uh, the award show in our rapid fire. Um, but, um, so I was just, lo- I was actually looking up because I... I actually taped the awards show late, um, or I recorded it and watched it like a couple hours later, and then I just wrote all my notes that I had um, as they were happening in my mind to you straight up, so now I was just, that's what I was looking up. But, um, so, so anyways, we're gonna, uh, we're gonna talk about the, uh, the Vegas Knights, I think that the, their strategy was that they were, like, just based off a lot of their picks, I think they were just trying to find, like, they were going off, like, a lot of, they were just trying to compile a lot of picks and stuff. Oh, that's what I was looking up. I was trying to find 
um, how many picks they had in the next three years or something like that. Oh, yeah, I, I have that stat right here, unless yeah. you have it. No, uh, I don't so, have it. Uh, that's what I was okay, looking for. I have though. it. So according to Steve Dangle, the Vegas Golden Knights have, count them, 29 picks in their next three drafts, including five first-rounders and seven second-rounders. They had three of the first top 15 picks this year. They had the sixth overall pick, the 13th overall pick, and the 15th overall pick. Uh, and, of course, we're going to talk about who they selected with those picks in uh, episode 83, which will be a recap of the uh, NHL yep. draft. Um, just um, a quick FYI, schedule notes. First ever game, a regular season game for the Vegas Golden Knights in their history will be against the Dallas Stars on October the 6th. Their home opener will fall on October the 10th versus Arizona. Um, as to when the Sens and Bruins will play against Vegas, Vegas is in Boston October 15th. They're in Ottawa November the 4th. Okay, wow. So, yeah, so anyway, so uh, as Steve was saying, they have a lot of draft picks from other teams in these the last three years. They they were pretty much the darlings in the, uh, in the last draft. Um, so it's like, um, I think that's what they were going with. And also just the guys that they picked up, like, uh, like, um, they had, uh, they picked up Alex Tuk, um, who's a prospect from Minnesota. They have Shea Theodore, uh, uh, like a young defenseman for Anaheim. Um, William Carrier, Thomas Nosek, um, which we'll talk about because they didn't take uh, Peter Morazic, but he like he was the captain of the Grand Rapid Griffins, who won the Calder Cup. Um, you know, Colin Miller, um, unfortunately, is on the the Golden Knights for me. Um, you know, like uh, Jonathan Marchessault is only twenty six years old, so they were going and like uh, William Carlson is twenty four years old, who they got from. Um, Columbus, Timu Polkanen, who they got uh, from Arizona, and Oscar Lindbergh really are also young, too. In fact, I, I alluded to that pick yeah. in the previous episode. I thought this is a really good prospect yeah. that just really needs a chance to play, and I think he's going to get it in Vegas. Yeah, I, re I really like the Polkanen pick, and I also like the Oscar Lindbergh pick, although I yeah. thought they, the Rangers would have gone with Ranta or uh, Jesper Fass, but uh, Lindbergh could be good for them, too. And I think that's, like, so the fact that they were going with a lot of young guys and, a, like, you know, and getting all these draft picks just shows that, like, they can accept that they're not going to be good right away. But they, but just with the, they just took full advantage of taking, like, really good prospects from teams and really, you know, just taking advantage of being an expansion team, which is what you're supposed to do, really. Um... So, um, on that note, I have a list of teams here that uh, both benefited and got screwed by the expansion draft. Um, I, I guess, like, actually, before we get to that, um, would you agree that's what their strategy is? How did you think they did uh, so far? Well, I'm, I'm going to take a look at uh, some of their picks. First off, between the yep. pipes, they hit a home run. I mean, um, I suppose they could have taken a number of different picks. I don't know about that, but okay. Well, because um, I felt like they I, – I feel like they – I don't know if they took a home run because I feel like they should have gotten Elise Mrazic or um, Antti Ranta. But 
Um, I guess Calvin Picard and Fleury could be good for them. I'm not sure I like Berube, but um, whatever. I think Berube is more of a please take this guy off our hands yeah. than more of a, okay, we'll take him. And I was hoping that they would get Grubauer as well, but I guess not. That was the other thing, too. Nate Schmidt uh, looks like he'll he'll be good, too. So that was another one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's, he's all right. But yeah. looking at their goaltending, I mean, Marc-Andre Fleury, if you need a goalie right here and now that's a proven winner, Marc-Andre Fleury's the right choice. I mean, he's he knows what it's like to be in the playoffs. And, and people forget, even though he had a 3.02 GAA in the regular season, um, this guy's had 831 seasons in his career. And you look at how... Badly, the Penguins were getting outshot in the first two rounds against Columbus and Washington, who are two of the league's top five teams. And they got through those two series mostly because Marc-Andre Fleury was facing a ton of shots and mostly because when their offense was getting outplayed by the other team's offense, Fleury was holding his own. So I really still think he has enough juice to make this team competitive. And then you look at Calvin Picker. They're getting a young goalie of the future. And, yeah, you look at his wins, they're not, they're not there, but that's because he's on Colorado, who, yeah. frankly, this year was just playing bad. Like, um, in his first year, he posted a 2.35 GAA, 932 state percentage in 16 games. 20 games in his second year, 2.56 GAA, 922 state percentage. In both years, Colorado was average at best. And this year, he played in 50 games. In 23 of those, he had to face 30-plus shots. He had very little help to go with on defense, which is why his GA went up to 2.98, and his save percentage was just above 900. But again, the abs were just that bad. I think um, if Vegas gets some help on defense, um, I think Calvin Pickard is going to be a huge addition. But that being said, Craig Button, I was listening to some of his analysis, and Craig Button did not like... um, some of Vegas's um, choices on the blue line. Like, I mean, yeah, there's Mark Mathot, the obvious choice. He's their best defenseman. Um, I have a feeling he's going to be traded soon, Mathot. That would be a mistake because, again, he's their best defenseman. Because you look at Jason Garrison, his bad contract. This guy once scored 16 goals with the Panthers in a season. I think I think Shea Theodore is probably their best defenseman. Or yeah, Nate as far as height goes, now that uh, Trevor Van Riemsdyk uh, was yep. traded to Carolina, that, they also uh, traded David or, Schlemko to Montreal. So. Or uh, Nate Schmidt is also probably up there too. Yeah, Schmidt and Theodore definitely. Yep. Uh, but again, some of their choices Miller, on either. defense were suspects. Yep. At best, because you look at Garrison, four point six million for the next year, and then he's a, or, right. a UFA. But this guy once scored 16 goals, as I said, only in two of the last five years, he's only had two 30-point seasons. Yep. Just 70 games with Tampa, he had nine points this past year. Right. So just not even close to that kind of money. And another name, Derek Engeland, solid for the Flames during their 2015 playoff run. Not a top-four yep. guy by any means. I'm not sure what to think of Colin Miller. Uh, Emlin could be effective, but he's 31, so I don't know really. Um, I mean, Mark Mathot's 32, by the way. He's going to be, but Mark Mathot's 32, by the way. Yeah, so and Jason Garrison's 32. Even, even then, like their best yeah. defenseman is is up there in age. 
Uh, You've been saying Mark Mathot's their best defenseman. I don't think that's true. Well, out of the, uh, uh, I mean, yes, he's a good, he's a good defenseman, but I would say that Shea Theodore is a better defenseman as well, but whatever. Um, Sorry, I I should say the best proven defenseman. Okay, that's, that's a fair take too. Best, best proven defenseman. Okay. I, I think Shea Theodore and Nate Schmidt, you're right. They have tons of height. Um, um, but um, John Merrill and Brayden McNabb, I'm interested to see what they do. I okay. think they provide some quality youth on the blue line. Yep. But as to what they're going to do in year one, that remains to be seen. Yep. Uh, Stoner, Reinhardt, and Spiza, they don't appeal to me at all, really. Um, yep. they're, they're just probably like – they're probably plugins at the AHL level, frankly. Yep. Um, so – um, and England didn't even play in the AHL last year. He was in the ECHL last year, which is really yeah. He was uh, he was he was on Las Vegas Rough Riders. It was a strange pick for the. I don't get that. Oh, okay, so now we know why they went with England. Like he's a local guy now. That, no, no, that is why they did it. And he's thirty five years old, but it, it was just a strange pick. I was going to talk about Calgary on the who benefited and who didn't, but um, yeah, it was just a strange pick. But uh, can we just go back to the goaltending situation? Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, so you were saying that, yeah, Flurry did have a great uh, first two rounds um, of the playoffs. However, um, his season in 38 games, uh, which, is a, which is quite a bit, uh, he had a nine point, uh, he had a .909 save percentage and a GAA of 3.02. As opposed to Antti Ranta, who played in about 30 games, apparently. Uh, he had a, nine, a 9.22 save percentage and a 2.26 GAA. And Philip Grubauer, had a, um, he played in 24 games, so a little less than Ranta and Fleury. But he had a 9.26 save percentage and a 2.04 goals against average. So, like, it, like... I mean, it's just, like, Flurry was a done deal beforehand, so it's not, like, that big of a deal, but, like, compared to, like, who, like, who Vegas could have gotten instead of Picard and Berube, I feel like they should have gotten, you know, like, Ranta or uh, Grubauer, or Mrazek, who we'll talk about soon. Um, yeah. But, yeah. That, that's that's an interesting point. You're right. But what I think when it came down to Marc-Andre Fleury is, okay, Antti was good, sure. Philip Grubauer was good, sure. And they're what also they both the young. And they're, and they're also both young players, whereas Fleury's 32 years old. He's not going to have the benefit of having Crosby and Malkin on his, on his, uh, on his team anymore. So it's... That's true, know. and and we're gonna we're gonna see how much Mark Andre Fleury benefited from his yeah. team success. But we have seen what he can do in a Stanley Cup environment, and we we saw him in the playoffs this year. He was pretty good in the first two rounds. True. Yeah. And and again, like the Penguins were getting outshot, and sometimes they're getting outshot badly. Yep. So Mark Andre Fleury still has plenty of left. I mean, in the I'm not tank saying that he doesn't have anything left in the tank, but it's just more. I feel like Vegas could have gotten better. And I understand that, like, like you know, there this place, Flurry was, like, set in Vegas for, like, a month or maybe two months, I think they said. 
So I get that there's nothing they could have done there. But it's just like, it's just a strange move. Like, why didn't they just go with Mrazek or Ranta or Grubauer? It's just, uh, just go with the young person. If you're going with a young team or that strategy, like they've done for, you know, getting a lot of draft picks and getting defense, why don't they just do that in that sense? So, like... I I feel like that was their strategy. However, like you know, they were kind of tied to some teams like Lucas Sabiza. Like you know, he's he's bad, but he can't. Like, who are you going to take off of Vancouver? You know, yeah. Um, and it's, it's so that you're you're you're, yeah. you're just you're just trying to get get the the most talent out of a, a limited right. pool of players on some really bad. Yeah. Exactly. All right, you can go on. You can go Calvin off. Pickard, you know, if you're yeah. not going to take Calvin Pickard, who are you going to take on Colorado? You know. True. True. Yeah. So all right. So you can go to uh, your next point. <laughs> Sorry. I my next. My next point is not. That's totally fine. My next point is it doesn't matter who they have in net. They need. They need good solid defense. What they also need is a right-handed shooting defenseman. You know how many right-handed shooting defensemen they have on their team? Zero. Two. Colin Miller and Derek Englund. That's oh. all they have. And Derek Englund was in the ECHL. So exactly. Happened. So it's basically yeah. Colin Miller then. Yeah. Uh, assuming they keep him. It's um, actually so very possible that our two picks, the Colin Miller and Mark Mathot, will be the, the best two defensemen on the team next year for them. Yeah, best maybe best proven defensemen on the yeah. team, yeah. Um, but taking a look at the open market, what they have to deal with, they do have some options. Dan Girardi, who got yep. bought out by the Rangers, is on the open market. He's a right-handed shot. Matt Green just bought out by the Kings with a year left on his deal. He's available now, too. Yep. Uh, and unless Kevin Shattenkirk, who also shoots right, is willing to go to Vegas, they're going to need Apparently, to test other options, and those I, are the two that I'm that I'm probably targeting. I was actually looking at this the other day. Apparently, Shattenkirk did look into Vegas, but like it, there was nothing else about it. Like he had a meeting with Vegas, but I don't think he's coming. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I think he probably has a lot of better places yeah. to go to, like maybe like every team, <laughs> basically every team. Yeah. <laughs> um. Now, what's also interesting as well, um, I I should point this out: Alexi Emlin, Lucas Pizza, and Clayton Stoner—they're all getting paid over three million dollars. Some of them four million. Before they become UFAs next year, they don't have much cap space to work with. One of them, at least, is going to have to take a hike. And as I mentioned, Craig Button uh, didn't like the the blue line that they have. And he also alluded to the fact they're not going to have much success if they can't break out of their own zone. And the other task they're going to need to address is mobile defensemen. They, They don't need old guys that are a step or two slower from the competition. They need good, young, speedy defensemen. Yep, and that's, that's probably why, to your point, Shea Theodore is probably their their most coveted at yeah coveted asset. Right. All right, so now we're just going to talk about we. Keep, I mean, I assume a lot of these points are we've already talked about, but um, so I have a list of teams of teams that got that benefited from this that were kind of on the fence of it and also got screwed um, uh, from this draft. So. A uh, list of teams that benefited. I did lose, kind of, I mentioned this before, uh, but Detroit benefited from it because Peter Mrazek was available and Vegas didn't take him. However, um, I guess it's a little bit 
on the fence too now because they were like because uh, Mrazic was exposed. Now other teams are like realizing like oh Mrazic's available. Maybe we should try to trade him. So it's just an awkward situation there in Detroit. But they I put them in the benefited list just because um, you know they they got. Uh, they got off easy in terms of, oh, there's a, um, you know, like Thomas Nozick may not be a per, like a proven guy, um, yeah. may not be someone. So um, they could have gone with, it was a strange move. I don't even know why they didn't just pick Morazic. It, it doesn't make sense to me, honestly, but whatever. And and there was no and there was no side deal with Vegas and that's probably when yeah. they went with Calvin Pickard because right. I I heard uh, I think you told me off the air that uh, his character issues right um, oh yeah and the salary that, cap yeah yeah and uh, how they maybe tried to uh, uh, why well, he, he was kind of a bit he was like because they Howard told Detroit told them because like the GM uh, Holland told Mrazic uh, I think he was signed last year or something and. I, I could look at his cap friendly page, I guess, but um, he signed, like, they told him that he would be the starter and that they would tr- either trade Jimmy Howard or just demote him, and they didn't do either, um, or drop him, because, you know, I guess Jimmy Howard's making a lot of money. Um, I'm not sure. This would actually be a better um, rant if I uh, had the uh, information with on me here. Uh, let me... Look at it quickly. All right, so Jimmy, uh, yeah, so they signed, uh, there was a bridge deal um, last year. And right, yeah, and they told, the bridge deal, yeah. Yeah, so they told Mrazic that they would get a, uh, that they would move Jimmy Howard, whether that's buying him out or just trading him. Um, they never did that, as you know. Uh, Jimmy Howard it has a 5.2... Uh, annual average value right now for two years. Mrazic has four million left. Howard's thirty-three. Mrazic's twenty-five. And Mrazic just got upset with this because they felt like, he felt like they told me I was going to be the starter here, and but Jimmy Howard still and that Jimmy Howard would be gone, but he's not gone. And then they also they commented on how they felt like he was too like cocky when he won. Um, he was just too of a like an arrogant person, um, yeah. which again he's a twenty five year old playing goalie. That it's like you know it's it's like a, it's kind of like a Tyler Sagan situation where it's like yeah he has every reason to be cocky. You know he had a good season the other year. So, but um, yeah so. So that so it's it's going to be a little awkward, I would imagine, in that clubhouse there. Um, but I, I just had them benefited just because you know they get to keep Peter Morazic instead of uh, not keeping him. But it's a little awkward. So it's I actually have them as on the fence there. Calgary, we just talked about. Uh, they uh, Vegas picked Derek England, who um, who wasn't even on the AHL team. Um, so Calgary basically didn't get affected at all. Uh, they were the luckiest of them. Pittsburgh I have on here just because, I mean, as I also alluded to before, Flurry. um, there was better options available for who to expose, like, uh, Brian Russ, Carl Hagelin, um, but they went with Flurry because I guess they had a 
uh, deal there. So they kind of lucked out in that sense. Uh, Vancouver, um, as we mentioned, Lucas Sabiza. Apparently he was like the punching bag in Vancouver, so everyone was kind of happy that that's who Vancouver picked, or that was the Vancouver pick. Um, so they kind of benefited from that. Um, I have here Arizona, Winnipeg, and Toronto, mostly because um, they didn't, like, you know, all their best players are on the exempt list anyway, so they, you know, they benefit from that because they're just taking a guy who was better from them. And then I have here uh, Columbus as the last team who benefited because they... Uh, they got rid of that David Clarkson contract, and they can now afford to make whatever moves they want and be an actual contender now that they're actually decent So now. So uh, there's that. Um, yeah, I think that's that's it for my list of benefit. benefit. Um, on the fence here, Anaheim, um, they... the pick for them was uh, uh, Clayton Stoner um, in exchange. And however, the Sammy Vatanen and uh, Josh Manson were exposed. Um, but the Ducks traded um, Shea Theodore um, in exchange for Vegas to not select Sammy Vatanen or... Um, um, I'm blank. I Josh just said, Manson. Josh Manson. Um, and, uh, so although the, the Ducks did lose Shea Theodore, they kind of lucked out in the sense that they also got to keep Sammy Bannon and Josh Manson. So it's like a, like 50%. I think if I'm Vegas though, I'd rather have Sammy Bannon and I wouldn't even do this trade. But, um, at the same time, I mean, Shea Theodore is a promising young defenseman, so um, it could it could work out for the Ducks, uh, or it could work out for the Knights if Shea Theodore is as hyped. Um, I don't know if you have any feelings on that. I've well, just been I, I would, I would have I would have taken Sammy Vatnin from Anaheim, but if yep. that means they don't get Shea Theodore, obviously that's that's probably that's probably a, a bad thing. So I, I I think they they win either way on that front. Would have yeah. been interesting if they got JT Brown from Tampa Bay as well. I, I figured that they could have done better. Yeah. I think I might have lost that also probably Tanner. does that probably also means that they don't get this Russian guy who's got chemistry with Shipachov, so Yeah, true, true. Uh Gusev. Well we were gonna talk about Gusev soon. Um but yeah, that is a good point with uh, Tampa Bay. Um Tampa Bay had the uh they had a trade where uh, Vegas gets Nikita Gusev and a couple of picks um, for them. Um, and Gusev was apparently the line mate. Uh, Steve, Steve, you cut off a bit when you said this, but uh, Gusev was uh, Shipachev's line mate. Yeah. In the uh, over the last two World Hockey Championships, yep. him and uh, Shipachev had some chemistry there. And so. uh, also Panarin was the uh, third guy in that one. Yeah, although it's going to be a lot tougher to yeah. get Panarin on Vegas, but yeah. It's possible. Still, two out of three ain't bad. Yep. Um, and, uh, but uh, like Gusev has been, uh, he kind of hasn't 
he's had weird negotiations with Tampa Bay, apparently, um, where he wouldn't sign with Tampa, and there's a chance that he could sign with the Golden Knights now that they have Shipachev there, so um, it, we'll, we'll have to see on that. I'm a bit surprised that they didn't take Troy Brower of the Flames, though. I, I, I felt yeah. like that uh, he'd be um, a gritty four that provides 20 Yeah, that was, a, that was an odd choice there, for sure. Well, that, I was talking about that. That was uh, um, that was a uh, Derek Englund, right? So yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's just and, a weird choice. I, I think I think um, I, I think getting back to the Detroit thing, it's they're they're on the fence because you know if they lose Morazic, well, um, they at least get something for him, as opposed to if Vegas took him, they get nothing. Right, right. Yeah, we but, talked about that. Um, yeah. Still. Um, who do they have besides Morazic? Anyways, that's beside the point. Just wanted yeah, to, yeah. To, um, to, to bring that up. But. Yeah. Uh, Minnesota, we're on the fence on as well. We've talked before this podcast, so we talked about this Minnesota thing. Where Minis- the Minnesota pick was Eric Halla, and also the wild trade Alex Tooch. Touch, I think. I don't know. Alex Tooch, I think, sounds Tuch. all right. Um, in exchange for them selecting Halla. Um, I'd honestly rather have, I think it was in exchange for Vegas selecting Hala instead of getting, um, uh, taking, uh, what's his face? Uh, Matt Dumba. Dumba. Yeah. Um, and, um, I honestly would also rather have Dumba instead, but at the same time, Alex Tooch and Eric Hala could be good prospects for them. And, um, they'll have plenty of ice time to uh, to do like to actually secede now um, where they probably wouldn't have if they were in Minnesota so I guess there's that but at the same time I'd probably rather have Matt Dumba but at the same time this just proves my whole like th- not theory I guess their strategy of trying to go young and going for pro like not trying to go for it this year, because if they were going for it, then they would have picked Sammy Vanden and Matt Dumba, but they didn't. So, um, and, and, you know, Alex Tuke may be a while, and, you know, Shea Theodore may need a couple more seasons before he reaches his prime. Um, So, yeah, Columbus, they lost a first, but they also got rid of... uh, uh, David Clarkson's contract, so there's that. Um, uh, screwed over here. Florida, they, um, John uh, Margisol was their pick. We were kind of questioning that in our last episode. Um, they also uh, somehow treated Riley Smith as well, which didn't make sense at all. Like, what, like, why, like, it almost seemed like Panthers were like, oh, he, Oh, you're having trouble deciding between Marchesol and Riley Smith? Why don't we just give you guys both for for no reason? Um, so they uh, well, yeah, Marchesol. Yeah. I mean, he's a thirty goal scorer who's only yep. getting paid seven hundred and fifty grand. Yeah, and I guess the big the the question mark with Florida is okay. Is this just going to be like a flash in the pan one year kind of thing, or is he yeah. actually legit? And not and, to mention that and, Riley, and Riley Smith Riley is also Smith, good too. I, I think it was more because of his bad contract that they got rid of him. I mean. Yeah. I, I think that was a regrettable signing right from the get-go. But get even go. still, just, like, just too I mean, much money and too much turnover. 
But even still, That's he still, was still a good second line guy. Yeah, even still, though, like last like t- uh, two years ago, he was he had fifty points. Um, Signed you know, him, I think it was at, uh, during last offseason. Yeah, that's what I'm saying, though. But, um, I mean, he didn't have a great last season here with 37 points in 80 games. But, you know, 50 points, I mean, I'd take it. Um, but also, he's the um, he was the per, uh, player that the Bruins got back from the Tyler Sagan deal. So, right. um, there's that. But he'll, always, he'll, both, he'll forever be linked to that trade there. But, um, yeah, so, I don't know, it was, it was a weird deal for that. I felt like, like you know, Riley Smith and Jonathan Multersoul would be good players. Uh, Nashville uh, also got screwed because uh, James Neal uh, James Neal was the pick. Um, apparently, Poyle said later that um, there were offers from uh, McPhee to, for them to not pick. James Neal, but he felt like it wasn't um, up to what he wanted, or like he thought it was too high. And now remember, this uh, George McPhee was in Washington when Philip Forsberg was traded for Martin Erat, um, yeah. which I thought was interesting. It was like, well, now the tables have turned where <laughs> you know James right, Neal yeah. is the pick, where it's like. It's still not. It's still not even on their scale, but I just thought it was interesting that like there's yeah, there's got to be like a rivalry going on now with uh, yeah. between Poyle well, and, and. You know uh, what? If McPhee. if if I'm if I'm uh, David Poyle, I'm kind of thanking George McPhee in Vegas for taking James Neal. Here's why: he averages 20 tallies a year, only registered 30 or more goals on two occasions. You're not going to see the guy who put up 81 points with the Penguins in 2011-2012. He's going to get plenty of opportunities to score. That's probably going to help his stats a little bit. But here's the thing. Um, As far as Nashville goes, Neil's contract's off their hands. That gives them more money to assign guys like Victor Arvidsson and Ryan Johansson, put them back in the Music City, because they have a lot of UFAs and RFAs uh, to get signed. Pontus Aberg as well. So um, it's not... Probably it's it's bad that he's gone, but it's also good that he's gone. I yeah. think Nashville they should be on the fence here. Yeah, I think yeah, I guess you're right. It, they could be on the fence. I'm actually looking here. Yeah, they're either they're going to lose a good player either way. If it wasn't true. him, it was going to be a Craig Smith, maybe. Yeah, no, you're right. It's a good point. It's just uh, I mean I'm actually looking here. He had 41 points uh, this year. He didn't do as bad as I thought he did. Yeah. yeah, yeah. 41 points in 70 games, so that's like, I guess that would be like 50 points if he played a full season. Um, but, so that's like, yeah, okay, I, I, I can see why you'd be on the fence for that. It's not like a terrible thing. It's just, I don't know, I feel like he's still he still has some left in him, so I feel like he'll be like, I guess either it's either him or Shipachev who will be the best forward on the team, or uh, Marchesol. Um, if he now, um, while, while we're on the subject of on-the-fence teams, I'd like to yeah. add one na- one team that you didn't mention as to teams that benefited. I think yep. maybe you talked about this, but the New York Islanders. I oh, mean, yeah, yeah. Brock That's Nelson cool. was available. They didn't take him. Uh, and Garcinot provides some good compensation. Yep. But the Isles were able, able to keep Brock Nelson. They were able to keep Travis Hamnick for a little while longer. And they get they rid trade, of Grubowski. 
Yeah, they traded Grabowski's contract as yep. well. And now they've got like millions of dollars in cap space to, mm, I don't know, maybe re-sign John Tavares to a new contract. Or, finally. I don't know, sign uh, Jordan Eberle. It's a little yeah, preview wait, wait, for tomorrow. Yeah, more yeah. on that. Yeah. So, um, I, I think Islanders really benefited from this trade because yeah. um, they, 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 they could have... Um, they, they could have lost a huge part of their team that, um, in, in the long run, is really going to help them uh, as well and get back to the playoffs. So yep. uh, I, I think uh, the Islanders should really be thanking Vegas uh, for uh, not only taking um, Grabowski's contract, but also taking J.F. Barube off their hands as well. Because I yeah, don't think he true. was going to do too much for them either. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, I, yeah, I didn't have the Islanders on the list because we were going to talk about that trade. Um, the Grubowski trade um, okay. in the next episode. but um, What would have been interesting, though, it, um, and this has nothing to do with the Islanders, if what would have happened if Vegas selected Joe Thornton or Patrick Marlowe? I would have just loved to see the interesting dialogue that would have ensued. Well, they would have... Because both, both are UFAs. Well, yeah, I was about to say, I feel like they had... I think they had exclusive rights to talk to those UFAs to see if they would join, but... Um, yeah, the only UFA that, that's I, probably more for July 1st negotiations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The only UFA I see here right now is Chris Thorburn, um, who's a UFA. Uh, I like that signing. I love that signing a lot. He, and he, he provides yeah. occasional scoring and great. He's kind of like Chris. He's kind of like Chris Neal in his prime in a way. At the same time, though, uh, Vegas should have. Well, first off, Thorburn is 34 years old, and also the uh, uh, they could have gotten. Um, What's his face? Uh, they could have gotten Marco Dano, who's a younger player. Um, yeah, that's true. So I didn't true get that. Too. Or um, that defenseman. Uh, I'm blanking on his name. Uh, the guy who uh, removed his no movement clause. Oh, you mean Truba? No, no. Um, right, because Truba was protected. Um, Jets on. defenseman who removed his. Enstrom. Enstrom. Oh, right. Yes, yes. Although. To be perfectly honest, it, I think the injury-prone stuff, I think, was a bit of a turnoff for them. Yeah, I could see that. Because I know he hasn't yeah. been the healthiest. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, yeah, they could have gotten Mar- Marco Dano, though, who's who's been pretty good. So, yeah. So. Uh, he's, he's, he reminds me of Polkanen, a prospect yeah. who really hasn't gotten a shot. And if maybe if you give him a shot, he he, he really impresses you. Yeah. But uh, Right. Um, uh, there, there were there were some guys they could have taken, but um, you know if they take those guys, you know uh, that probably means they don't get some of the other guys they got by a trade. So yeah, um, I guess there's a give and take with every transaction. True, there. especially for this kind of thing. Yeah, that's true. Um, and the last team that I have that got kind of screwed over is uh, Colorado. Um, I say kind of just because they're a mess. Um, so it doesn't really matter, but you know they don't now. They're just stuck with Varlamov, and they don't really yeah, have goalies that's anyway. True. Um, and it's so, injury-prone, five million dollar yeah. a year contract. Again, Colorado's a mess to begin with, so it's not yeah, like. But they're even more of a mess. They're now. even more of a mess now. It's like, what are they going to do? With, like Varlamov's not going to be their goaltender. Although I, I'm just looking here, he's twenty. Varlamov's twenty nine years old. It's kind of crazy. Yeah. And he's, he's relatively young, but yes. uh, he's he's a Jekyll and Hyde kind of goalie. Yep, he, he's he's like a Curry Lutton, and he he could be good one night, and then he could just be god awful the next. Okay, 
Um, I'm about to go to the rapid fire and the awards, um, unless you have other thing, other notes that you want to talk about. On the yeah, there, there, there is, uh, if you don't mind me uh, saying it. Well, um, we'll, by the way, we're, we're going to talk about the Bruins and Sens stuff in that segment. So if it's about Mathot or Colin Miller. No, it's, it's not about that. I'm just looking at some of their forwards. Uh, remember that part where I said only two of their defensemen shoot right? Yep. Well, only four of their forwards shoot right. One of them is Clarkson, who is injury-prone. Yep. Uh, Marcheseau and Alex Tuke are the other two. And then you have David Perron. So, oh, yeah. I forgot um, about Perron, too. Yeah, so it's interesting It'll to see what Perron pick. is going to provide. Yep. Um, just taking on... Um, Cody Egan might be good, too. Cody Eakin as well is, yep. is interesting. I think he brings a lot of uh, different things to the table. I like Belmare as well. Um, I don't know. I'm not so sure on that pick, but we'll see. Yeah. I, I think their offense is is average at best. Yeah. But they, they, they've got some guys who, if they're on their game, um, they, they could have a pretty good first line. But yep. uh, I, I think also when you consider the fact that Shipachov was uh, brought in. I I think he's going to be a first line, second line guy. So yeah, that I could see that. Things. Yeah, I could see that happening. And um, he's getting paid like a first line, second line guy. It's like four or five million a year. Yeah, yeah, so two, for two we years. know what we're probably going to get out. Yeah, that's true. Um, I think they'll they'll be decent. I don't think they'll be like. I think uh, I was hearing. I think somewhere. they'll be competitive, but they're yeah. not a. Pl- I don't think they're going to be a playoff team. Though. Yeah. I think it's going to take them at least three years before we can call them a playoff. Yeah, team. I agree with that. Um. It's kind of like what didn't Bill Foley say that they were planning on making the playoffs like in three years and the Stanley Cup in five or something like that? Five or six, yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I, I call that being realistic. I don't know about the Stanley Cup part, but yeah, I, I, as, how many times an expansion team made the playoffs right yeah. in their first year? It doesn't happen very often. True. Um, I don't know if it's ever actually happened. Well, it may have happened when they the original six was the original twelve, but uh, but that's because they had no choice there. Yeah, as but, far as their youthful strategy goes, yeah. like like I think that's how most expansion teams start off. You're not yeah. gonna have rock solid defense or goaltending or 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 even scoring. But um, the the real test is gonna be the draft. The good news for Vegas is I hear the next couple of drafts are going to be monstrous. Yeah, they're going to be loaded with talent. And they didn't so. even uh, they didn't even do terribly um, in this year's draft, as we're going to talk about soon. But um, yeah, and yeah. in 2019 they have 12 draft picks as well, yep. so they they still have a lot to to choose from. Thankfully, yeah, true. All right, let's go to the rapid fire, and which is basically just the awards. Um, the Hart Trophy, um, and Ted Lindsay. So the Hart Trophy is the most valuable player, and the Ted Lindsay is the most valuable, like the best player according to the players or the NHLPA. Connor McDavid won that. No surprise there. He also is on the cover of NHL 18, um, as well. So there's a little tidbit there. Um, yeah, and he, and he yeah. did all of this before turning 20 as well, for yep. a newly minted captain as well. No one else reached 100 points. Um, helped yep. guys like Patrick Maroon find a sustained knack for scoring goals. And even if he wasn't scoring goals and creating chances, yep. he was making himself a shutdown priority on the ice. And that opened the door for guys like Dreisaitl, guys like uh, Jordan Eberle, mm-hmm. uh, R&H. So, um, and, and when you talk about being nominated by the Players' League MVP, the Ted Lindsay Award, 
Yep. I mean, that speaks volumes in itself as to why he won the Hart Trophy. There's there's not really much to debate here. And you mentioned to me in, in your off-air notes um, uh, Connor McDavid shaking Gretzky's hand yep. and then not a Crosby prior to accepting his award. That's a, that's a gracious winner, and that's yep. kind of a passing of the torch and also, to the so, next generation. So Gretzky handed um, the heart to McDavid, and then for the Ted Lindsay, it was Messier and Lemieux who handed him the award, which I thought was really cool too. It's like a like a metaphorical passing of the torch of like these three legends of the game, and so I thought it was kind of cool there too. Um, Steve, are you there? Did I just cut? I feel like I cut Steve off. Steve? No, no, um, I'm, I'm still here. Okay. <laughs> you were worried me. Uh, yeah, I, I, sorry to cut you off even in the interruption, but yeah, he, no, uh, um, Gretzky handed him the heart, um, and Messier and Lemieux handed him the Ted Lindsay, which I thought was pretty cool. Oh, do you have any other things to say or no? No, no. Uh, I think it's. I think okay. it's pretty much. Uh, we're in total consensus. McDavid okay, was the right guy, and uh, yeah, NHL eighteen. No surprise there. Yep. Um, <laughs> that's a little awkward there. Um, Vezina, Vezina, uh, Sergey Bobrovsky uh, won that. That's also no surprise as well, considering he was also nominated for the heart. I think he was the leader in both save percentage and goals against average. Um, he pretty much was the reason the um, Blue Jackets were in um, the playoffs to begin with. So, um, yeah, it's not a big surprise. I think this is his second Vezina, is that right? Yeah, yeah, he actually uh, did one. Uh, I think... Um the last time the Blue Jackets made the playoffs, I think oh, yeah, they yeah. won it. Or, that was or, his, or maybe that was it was his the first... year they almost oh, made yeah. the playoffs and, and just missed out. No, I'm looking at it here. So this was uh, in 2012, 2013. That was the lockout short year. They just missed it. Detroit just And that them. was, oh yeah, and that was Bobrovsky's like first year as the Blue Jackets started. Yeah, it yeah. was lights out good for yep. them. And, and lights out good again this year, as you imagine. Yeah, uh, 931 uh, 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 save uh, uh, percentage. A goals yeah. against two oh six, so um, yeah, yeah. Best GAA, third most shutouts, then, best save percentage, yeah. fourth most shots against, which is literally uh, amongst goalies with at least forty games played. Yeah. Second most in wins with forty one, uh, and also their blue line, an inexperienced blue line, was a top ten penalty kill, and he probably had uh, a big part in all of that. And sixty three games tied for fourth most, like he was really getting tested. Yep. So to be so consistently good um, makes him, in my opinion, more valuable than Price and Holby, which is very yep. tough to do considering Price and Holby are, are the best at their craft. Yep. Um, um, and I, especially, you know, when you're given the fact that you're nominated against everyone else for MVP, yep. the Hart Trophy, um, then you got to win the Vezina. Yeah, I, I just want to mention that the year he first won the Vezina, he had a slightly better year. He had, so this year he had a 931 save percentage. And that the year he first won, he had a 932 save percentage. Um, and his GAA was uh, 2 the first year he won. And uh, this year he had, or I guess last season, um, he had 2.06. 
So it's just to be a fair, little that was the lockout shortened campaign. Yeah, but it's still impressive. Like oh like, yeah, absolutely. Like Forty games, you know. Um, but yeah, so um, there's that. Um, and, and, and on top of that, he did all this in the best division in hockey. Yeah, true. He also had to deal with guy with teams like the Rangers, the Penguins, Penguins the Capitals, Capitals yeah. um, Islanders at the second half of the year. Yeah, yeah, that's true too. Yeah, um, the Islanders. Yeah, even Carolina the, was no slouch. Yeah, it's true. And I mean, and the scary thing is, is like we're going to talk about them in the in the draft thing, but you know, the Flyers got Nolan Patrick, the Devils got Nico Heischer. Um, Blue Jackets got uh, Panarin now, so it's like uh, the um, the Atlantic just got even more tougher. Um, yeah, or the Metro. Even more tough Metro. to play against. Yeah, absolutely. Tougher to play against. We'll quit with the spoilers and continue. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, we're. I mean, we're. I mean, I assume if you're listening to this right now, you've you are. Oh uh, yeah, you probably know what's happened. Yeah. 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 Um. All right. So that t- actually, so Bobrovsky takes us to the Jack Adams. Because uh, Tortorella won, which I don't agree with, because I feel like Bobrovsky was the main reason the Columbus Blue Jackets did well. Like, yeah, they had um, Cam Atkinson, um, who had a career year, and Sam Gagne, who had a career year. Um, a couple of other players who I'm blanking on. Zach Rowinski, who was pretty good there. But, like, I don't know. And, like, yeah, Columbus was pretty terrible the other year. But it's just, I felt like... T- what Mike Babcock did, um, in terms of like he had a bunch of young players on his team, um, and he, the ability to even make the playoffs is way more impressive than uh, what Tortorella did. Um, considering that uh, Tortorella, like the Blue Jackets, struggled towards the end of the year, it's it's it was just. Um, I, I, w- I would have voted, if I had a vote, I would have voted for Babcock. Um, I could even have said, like, you could have even made a case for Mike Sullivan, considering all the injuries he's had, and the Penguins are, like, the second best team in the league. But, like, at the same time, the Jack Adams is, like, the, um, like, you know, Patrick Waugh won, Bob Hartley won, and where are they now, you know? So it's... Um, it's so just maybe a, it's a good thing that yeah. Mike Babcock didn't win because yeah. it sounds like it's a kiss of death. It is, and coach. it's it's also like uh, Babcock. Um, Babcock has never won the co- the Jack Adams, which is ridiculous. Which and, is why he's so good, and he yeah. should never win. <laughs> yeah, because he's gonna get but fired like, if he wins. It. It, it's just ridiculous because he is like the best co- current coach right now. He's the most consistent at winning. Yeah. I, I would say so. Yeah. Um, although I guess last year he lost, but that was just because Toronto. Well, they were was expected tanking. to lose. To but yeah, possible. but it's like you like Toronto literally was the worst team, and he made he got them into the playoffs, and then like the Blue Jackets were like they were bad, but they weren't like as bad as Toronto. But I guess I mean in the same sense, I guess Toronto like Columbus did get like the third seed in the Metro, which is tougher to say than um than just barely making the wild card but at the same time i feel like just be just if you look at the team dynamic i feel like badcock should have won that but whatever it's a stupid award um it's it's you know how much i mean it when a bruins fan thinks how unfair it is 
that the uh, Leafs didn't win this. So yeah, um, but yeah, I was. Uh, now it's your time to get annoyed because uh, we're going to talk about the Norris and Brent Burns won. Well, well, just just quickly before we get on that, I want to point something out. This is this Jack Adams race was probably the toughest I've seen in a while. Yeah. All three of these teams had top five picks in last year's draft. That means their teams near the bottom of the standings for the most part. All these three teams are playoff teams. The Leafs took the best team in the league to five overtimes and won two of them in round one. That's yep. pretty darn impressive. Although, to be fair... Points de- they had 69 points dead last in the NHL. They went up to 95 points this year. The yep. Oilers went to the second round. No one was sure if they were a playoff team. They had 70 points a year ago, second to yep. last in the league. They had 103 a year later. Although, and the Jackets, a bottom five team in the league just a season ago... 76 points in a lottery pick. This year they have 108 points, and they're a top-five team in the best division in all of hockey. And I would argue if they avoid Pittsburgh in the first round, who knows how far this team is going to go. Yeah. Although and, to, and, and I guess I guess you could I guess you could make the argument that Babcock was due. He should get the Jack Adams because he's never won it. And, and you mentioned the part where in the final two months of the year, the Blue Jackets were not really that good. Yep. May I remind people that the Leafs in the third period for a good part of the year were inconsistent at holding leads. That's true. And they had 15 overtime yeah. losses <laughs> slash shoot-up losses. I guess that's true. That's a fair point. It's just, I don't know, I feel like it, it, it's like, I mean, I guess you could say the same for, like, if, if McClellan won, like, you would just be like, well, they have McDavid. It's not, like, you know, it's not their fault. I feel like it's just like Columbus had Bobrovsky. It's it, they shouldn't have. It's it's not towards. It's not like towards did something different. It was just that they had the best goalie. You know that's true, and Bobrovsky had a lot to do with it because we and, saw last year Tortorella. Yeah. Like to be fair, Tortorella they bought into a system. I think yeah. a little bit more this year, but Bobrovsky was also unhealthy last year. Played in like half the games because he was injured. And there were a lot of one-goal losses that I, that I saw them drop. Yeah. And I think a lot of those close victories uh, is what led but, I mean, they're to, a young such team. A, is, to such a good record because Bobrovsky yeah. was so on his game. But, but to be fair, at the same time, Frederick Anderson was also on his game. Tim, yep. Cam Talbot was also on his game. All three of these teams had really good goalies. Well, yeah, but Bobrovsky was the best goalie. And McDavid was the best player. For Edmonton, whereas Toronto, yeah, you have Austin Matthews and Anderson and the Nylander and Marner, but that's pretty much it. Whereas you know, and those are like you know, those were superb players for Toronto, but they and then and to be fair, Toronto had a young defense yeah. too. I'll admit that Mike Babcock, they really did some yeah. good work with that defense as well. Yeah, I'm not saying that he's not due. I'm, I'm just I'm. Um, and well, no, I'm not. I'm it. not it's, saying it's just that it's it's probably the toughest award that I that I've that, not, that I've seen with my own eyes. It's it's a very tough award to yeah. win, and this is probably the toughest of all the awards that have been handed out for the yeah. Jackhams for the past decade at least. Like, yeah, I, don't know. I, I, I haven't agree with seen that. I haven't seen a class like this. I just I just think it's sh- like I I agree it shouldn't. I don't think Babcock should win it just because he's Mike Babcock. Um, but it's like I, it is I don't shocking know. that he hasn't won it yet. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's just, it's just. I feel like this would be the year that he should have won it because uh, you know you can make a case like 
Blue Jackets had Bobrovsky. The uh, Oilers had McDavid. Whereas Babcock doesn't have that luxury of having like the those two good players. So it's just you know it's just a weird thing for that. So I don't know. But um, all right, let's go on though. Uh, the Norris Brent Burns won. Um, we kind of had a feeling this was going to happen. Um, at least um, he, uh, I don't know if you watched his acceptance speech. He, uh, he mentioned Eric Carlson's uh, play in the playoffs, especially that pass uh, to the Bru- on um, to Hoffman. Yeah. So that was nice of him. Um, all the, I mean, all the players and all the coaches were uh, like nice to all the other nominees, but um yeah it was uh but Carlson got snubs again I guess Burns this was another case where Burns didn't really play well towards the end of the year whereas Carlson played better um but um it's it's just funny because I remember we were talking about this earlier or when we were talking about this in our episode of predicting awards or whatever yeah it's like Last year, Carlson's biggest knock was that he couldn't play defense and he wasn't an all-around player like Dowdy was, and Dowdy won. And now, you know, Carlson plays defense, but instead Brent Burns wins because he he's better offensively than Carlson was this year. So it was just a, it was a weird move for Carlson. I have, a, I have a strange feeling that because Eric Carlson kind of proved himself in the playoffs this year that, like, Carlson will win next year, even if he has like a, a not great um, season compared to him. Um, like even if he has like an okay season, um, uh, I could see that happening where like people just start feeling bad. They're like, "Oh, Eric Carlson's actually pretty good." Um, but uh, we'll see. I, I'm sure you you can rant if you want. I don't know if you're tired of this or not, but. Um, well. I mean, Brent Burns scored 29 goals. Yep. Like, he's got Carlson there. Yep. Like, one goal shy of 30. And Victor Hedman even had better numbers than Carlson. Uh, he was also second in power play points overall. But Carlson did the little things right. Still a top five scorer amongst NHL defensemen. Mm-hmm. How many times do you see a top five scorer finish second in block shots and lead in block shots for a good chunk of the year? Yep. I've never seen that happen. Like, over 200 block shots. It's absolutely incredible what this guy did. And he also did it on an unhealthy foot yep. for the better part of the last year. And, you know, again, the whole playoffs thing, Doughty was outplayed by Burns, and he still won last year. So playoffs don't mean anything when it comes to these awards. Um, but, again, you're right. Going back to last year, Doughty won the award because he was the overall best defensive player. Carlson was a point-per-game guy that year. He yep. had 82 points in 82 games. Um, and this year, his numbers take a slight hit, but because Brent Burns is close to a point-per-game player and the best offensive defenseman, he wins it for the same reason that Carlson should have won it last year. Yep. And I'm, I'm more laughing at the fact that he lost more <laughs> than I'm furious because the guy, whatever you do, he can't win. Yep. Like, he did everything possible to win the award, and he still didn't win. Yeah. And I know he's won it before, but, like, he really earned it this year. Yeah. And it's and it's just disappointing. They should disappointing al- and laughable. They should almost just uh, rename it the Norris, or, like, just have two separate awards for, like, 
yeah. offensive defenseman and all-around defenseman. Like they yeah, do for in, in this case, though, yeah. the Norris is the best offensive defenseman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like they do for um, the forwards. It's like the Selkie is the all-around player, whereas yeah. the Hart is the best offensive player, basically. I'm so, just sick and tired of yeah. altering precedents. Just pick one and stick with it. yeah. yeah. Uh, Calder is, uh, Austin Matthews, no surprise here. This was another race where, like, Patrick Laine kind of, you could have made a case for Patrick Laine, and then he trailed off towards the end there, but Austin Matthews won. Um, no surprise. He has four, he had 40 goals, which is crazy. Um, I, I didn't realize that, but that's, like, nuts. 40 goals, yeah. um, in his rookie year, and he's not even, like, 20 yet. Um, Only a handful of players that scored 40 goals this year. I think Crosby yep. won the Rock Richard. He had, what, 41 goals, I think? Something like that. Ooh. Yeah, so, something like that. Just over 40 goals. Wait, who are, and, I'll look this up. Crosby, are we yeah. talking? Crosby had 44. Okay. It was 41 or 44. Okay. Um, Austin but, Matthews. But still, it's dangerously close to Crosby. So. Austin Matthews had 40. Okay. And, um, and, yeah. and Lonnie, to his credit, he had 36 goals and yep. 64 points. Here's where he lost the award, though. The little things. And that's, again, getting back to Carlson, he did the little things right. So did Austin yep. Matthews as far as the Calder Trophy goal, uh, as far as the Calder Trophy is concerned. He got eight game winners, two shy of Ricardo Kell's league leading 10. Yep. 76 takeaways, fourth in the NHL. Not just amongst rookies, in the entire league, he finished fourth in takeaways. Um, so when you look at the fact that he got 164 of 167 first place votes, yep. that should be enough to tell you that he was deserving to win this award. He didn't win it by a fluke he earned it. Yeah, true. He also got some hard votes too, which I thought was interesting. Um, yeah, that's, that's uh, but, uh, yeah. Um, also one thing about like Mc, both McDavid and Austin Matthews, um, I don't know if, it just is. It's, I don't know if it's like interesting. Sorry, where it's just um, like their award speech is, or like just their personality throughout the whole time. It's like so mature, really. It's, it, it doesn't even like. It doesn't even seem like these two are even teenagers. You know, it seems like they've been in the league forever, and yet like they're like probably like the two best. They're probably going to be the two best players um, in the league for the next decade or two. So. Um, it's, it's just interesting in that sense. but uh, There's one main yeah. difference between the two, and that's Austin Matthews has a giant lion tattoo on Connor McDavid. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, would, I, would, well, I mean, there's a little bit more. I think McDavid's a little bit better than Matthews is. But, uh, that's true, and they have a, a yeah. McDavid has brownish hair, Matthews is more black. And but, one's American, one's Canadian. Yeah. yeah. Um, one's but a generational talent. Market, so, yeah. hey. One's a generational talent, um, one's not. Almost one plays in Ontario, the other was born in Ontario. Yeah. One, uh, yeah, <laughs> we could go on with this. Yeah, we could go on with this. Let's let's go, um, Lady Bing, I believe, Lady, is the next one. Yeah, Lady Bing, uh, Johnny Goudreau, another American um, who plays for Canada um, on a Canadian team. Um, yeah, the only, uh, he had like four penalty minutes, which I guess is, it's crazy. Uh, the funny thing about this, though, is mostly just because uh, the nominees were Goudreau, um, Granlund, and uh, Tarasenko. 
Um, I happen to have all three of them in my fantasy team that counts penalty minutes. Um, I didn't realize this until the award ceremony where it's just like, oh, this isn't good. I have like, you know, this like fantasy is one of those things where penalty minutes are valued more for some reason. But um, <laughs> I, I just thought it was funny that it's like, oh, well, I have this guy. The only reason why you would carry a goon on yeah. your team is just uh, in the penalty minutes. Yeah, yeah, I was just like, oh, I have Goudreau, I have Tarasenko, oh, I, I also have Greenland. It's like, oh, <laughs> what the hell? I, uh, I have those, uh, those penalty. I, I didn't. I guess I just didn't do well in the penalty minute and, category. And, and I guess that just goes to show you how skill based these guys yeah. are. I mean, Goudreau got sixty one points in seventy two games. Might I remind people that he also took that wicked series of slashes against Minnesota, yep. of course. So good. Um, and, and he only missed a handful of games because of that. I didn't true. realize he only missed ten games. Yeah, it's true. Uh, GM David Poyle. Um, I I remember I said this was a no brainer. Um, and then you thought that it was there was a chance that it would be Chirelli or Dorian, um, but yeah, Poyle just based won. on short term what they've done in the short but term, even, long term yeah. definitely Poyle deserves it. But I, yeah. I just thought if it was for this year only. Well, even that, still for this year, you have like oh well, yeah, I guess National Arvidsson. Stop yeah. to argue with that. <laughs> you also had like Arvidsson, Ryan Ellis. Uh, he, they they both had a great year. Yeah. Um, you know, Forsberg had a great year. Um, all those guys, like he got Subban this off season, um, so all those guys were like just worked out for him. So yeah, he knows he what he's drafted Yossi as well. Too. Also, like the only thing he kind of screwed up was Jimmy VC, but that was yeah, that's probably the only knock on him. But though. even still, he he traded them to Buffalo um, and got a pick out of it. So um, yeah, there's that. Um, so, yeah, so, uh, congrats to all those guys. They all deserve it, except for Torts. Um, Bruin Sen segment. Um, I forget who went the last time, who went first the last time. I think... You, you, I think I went first, so you can go All right, first. I'll go first here, so... Because I'm gonna rant a lot in mine, so... Okay. <laughs> uh, the Bruins, uh, well, I'll, I'll need your, uh, your, uh, opinion on one of these. Um, okay. So I welcome your opinion on mine as well. I don't want to rant for the entire thing. Okay, okay, okay. Um, okay. You go first. I'll, I'll I'll tell you when I'll I'll give you your when you okay. should say your opinion. Okay. Uh, so the Bruins lost uh, Colin Miller to the expansion draft, as we mentioned. Um, I, I, we were talking about this the last time, where like I wasn't too sad about it, considering that he, um, you know, he was always going to be a bottom pairing guy. Um, we have Carlo McAvoy in our system, um, who are right-handed shot. What did bother me, though, was that there was rumors that Colin Miller was going to Toronto, um, and we weren't going to get anything for him if it was just going to be a Vegas-Toronto deal. Um, so I thought that was annoying, especially since Toronto's in our division. Um, so I, I was, I was, I was nervous that uh, Colin Miller was going to be traded to Toronto, but... It turns out that, according to Bob McKenzie, that was mostly a media-driven rumor, where I think Toronto's still looking for a defenseman somewhere, but um, it looks like Colin Miller is not going to be the guy, and it looks like the Knights are going to stick with Colin Miller for the time being. Um, but, uh, you know, 
I said all that I had to say about last time because I did predict this would happen. But um, yeah, it's uh, it's kind of sad to see him go. I hope he does well in Vegas, but um, he'll probably be in a top six role. I would see. I would imagine he'll probably, as you just said, that he was the only right-handed defenseman other than yeah, Derek England. Is it named Derek England? Yeah, yeah. So I, I would imagine he probably is going to be a top pair. Um, at least for next season, so um, we'll see um, in that. Um, also, um, although my heart candidate uh, campaign for Marshawn uh, didn't happen um, to get him nominated, he did get nominated for the first All-NHL team, which I loved. Um, it also says that uh, Crosby got the second All-NHL team, um, which just just means that hey, Marshawn's better than Crosby, um, no big deal. Um, <laughs> that one thing, yeah. 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 <laughs> um, but uh, uh, but in all seriousness, no, it's great that at least he's get he got some recognition for um, his uh, uh, insane season this year. Um, hope you can keep it up. Um, and lastly, this is what I want your opinion on. Bergeron got his fourth Selkie um, this year. Um, he uh, tied Bob Gini, which was kind of cool, too, because Bob Gini handed him the award. Um, then there were some, like, talks and Bruins discussions where uh, we're kind of, well, he's definitely going to get his number retired now, um, but we're kind of, like, curious if he's going to be a Hall of Fame worthy. Um, Bob Gini was, is in the Hall of Fame. However, guys like um, Yuri Leninen, um, and I think there's another one who's, who's like a good two way center, but, um, hasn't been in, um, like, it's just like usually two way forwards don't get in, uh, to the hall of fame. Um, so I, I would imagine Pavel Datsuk's going to be in, uh, Yuri Lennon's won it three times. He's still not in, um, Rob Brindamore, I don't think is in either. He's won it twice. Um, so it's, um, I don't know. So do you think Patrice Bergeron is a hall of fame worthy player? Well, he's, I think at least he's going to get his number retired because he's yep. done so much with the Boston Bruins. But, yep. uh, I think if he's a hall of famer, he's not a first ballot hall of famer. I think okay. he is hall of fame material because I mean, just the way he battles through injuries, like he battled through injury for the majority of the year, yeah. got off to a slow start, still able to pick it up, finish with 21 goals and 53 points in 79 games. That's pretty good. Yep. And recorded just 24 penalty minutes, so very disciplined there. Um, one game shy of 900 games for his career. Um, in 101 playoff games, 25 goals and 70 points. Um, all around solid human being as well, so... Um, I, I don't see what's stopping him. I mean, putting yourself in the yeah. same conversation also, as Bob Gainey, that, 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 that tells you he's doing something yeah. right. So he has uh, 671 uh, points out of 899 games played, which puts him at a 74 points per game pace. He's also won uh, a Stanley Cup, two, uh, a world, um, two Olympics, and um, he's also, I think he's also won a World Junior as well. Um, so, yeah, he was on that super team with Crosby and all those yeah, guys in 05. Um, 
yeah, he was yeah he was on that team as well. So um, so he's he's also decorated in that sense too. Um, I don't I, I, honestly I'm I'm biased obviously, but um, I think he uh, he should be a Hall of Famer. I'm not sure if he's a first ballot Hall of Famer. Just looking at like just the fact that Selkies are you know Selkie Trophy doesn't matter in terms of making it into the heart it seems like and they're they're more focused on offensive players um but i think like i think if he becomes the fifth selkie like if he gets his fifth selkie some out uh, some time um later in his career um then i think he's in um yeah i think first if he ballot. shares the record late he yeah. gets to seven even nothing stopping him yeah exactly um by the way, I, I, I'm pretty sure Datsuk's getting in the hall. Um, oh, yeah, probably. So, so there goes that myth of Selkie's in the hall. I think he's more of a Lady Bing kind of guy, isn't he? Who, pe- Datsuk? Yeah, does, no, he doesn't take too many penalties, I don't think. Well, I, I think that too. But I, know there's one, I know there's one award that he dominated. I don't know if it was the it Lady was, Bing or it was the, the Selkie. Selkie. It was the Selkie. He has three Selkies. Okay. Um, okay. It's also crazy too because uh, Bergeron should have won the selfie last year too, but they gave it to Kopitar. But um, whatever, he had he has four uh, selfie there. So I'm I'm done. You can uh, talk with your sense as well. Well, we're gonna we're gonna pick it up with another award. Uh, congrats to Craig Anderson who won the Bill Masterton Trophy, uh, awarded to the player who demonstrates perseverance and dedication to the game of hockey and. Um, we all know the story about his wife, Nicole, went through cancer. Fortunately, is cancer-free now. Uh, she was on hand for the ceremony, um, sported a 2.28 GAA, eighth best goals against average amongst goalies with at least 40 games played this past year. Despite all of that, he's still in a top 10 GAA. Uh, recorded 25 wins, five shutouts, and more importantly, critical saves under pressure. That made him a hands-down selection for this award. Um, and in my opinion, he went above and beyond to achieve this award. Um, and, and the moment that he shared with Nicole on stage as well, just goes to show you that this sport is more than just a game. It unites us. It's a stress release to a lot of people and it really, and events like these really puts things into perspective and it takes a special person. And in this case, several people to make these miracle stories possible and, for everyone who questioned whether or not Craig Anderson was a team guy or didn't work hard enough, they should not be free to question him anymore. He did more than enough for this organization in a year and just very, very proud of his efforts. Uh, and speaking of guys who did more for their team this year, Carlson also rewarded for his efforts some way. Uh, he was named to the All-Star team as well. Yep. Uh, not much of a shocker considering this is Eric Carlson. Yep. Um. Now I'm going to rant about Mark Mathod going to Vegas. Imagine, um, oh, by um, the way, on that point, imagine Marshawn and Carlson on the same team. So, <laughs> yeah, imagine Subban still play for Montreal. And then too. McDavid was also on there, Burns. So that would be, that's a pretty good team. I don't know yeah. who the right winger was, but yeah, <laughs> pretty good team. Yeah, pretty pretty good. Yeah. And this and this is not Eastern Western. This is the whole the whole league, team. Right? Yeah, whole league. Yeah. Wow. that's pretty. That's pretty explosive. Yep. It'd be also impressive if Burns and Carlson were also the same D pairing. Let me look this up, actually. But, yeah, you can go on. <laughs> okay. 
so getting back to the Vegas thing, they they obviously made the right choice. They selected Mark Mathot. That's bad news for Ottawa if you consider that this guy was Carlson's right hand man for the last few years. Um, what I also liked about Carlson and Mathot uh, being paired up together and Finesse CC being paired together, that's two one offensive defenseman, one defensive defenseman pairings that the Sens had going on. Uh, so Mathot was the defensive specialist. Carlson was the offensive specialist. Phaneuf focused on defense while CC played offense. Um, I keep hearing all these rumblings of Dion being put on the TSN trading block. He should be taken off that ASAP because they cannot afford to lose him. They need him now more than ever now that Mathot has left town. Um, Supposedly, do I think that Dorian did- Suppose, sorry, sorry, I can yeah. take. Supposedly, I think they were saying that the Knights are thinking of trading Mathot. Um, but like, like he can only, like, I think there was like something where he can go back to Ottawa in January or something like that. Um, Uh but he can go to any other team, um, now or something like that. I, I I, I should talk, I should wait to talk before, but again, again, Vegas would be stupid to trade my thought until they at least get someone that's better than him. But that yep. hasn't happened yet, so true, true. Um, I think bottom line, they should put those rumors to rest, and Ottawa should put the Phaneuf rumors to rest as well, because again, Dion Phaneuf has become their shutdown specialist. There is no Mark Mathot. There, he's no Plan B. He's their Plan A. He's their go-to guy defensively. And now we're going to see how much he's really worth. Um, as to whether or not Pierre Dorian did nothing to prevent this from happening, I'm sure he tried to keep Mathot in Ottawa. I mean, you're not going to lose a guy like Mark for nothing unless the price was too high. And my theory is, and I have nothing to back this up, my theory is he attempted to negotiate with George, um, but if that convo ended with Shabbat or White going the other way, or maybe a first or a second rounder, or even a pair of first rounders, especially considering the next couple of drafts are going to be huge, and Ottawa needs those picks, um, I think any kind of a significant return like that would be too much for Dorian to say, Yes, okay, we'll give you that, and we'll take my thought back. Um, so, and, and and then even if he accepts a proposed deal to keep my thought, let's say he does, perhaps he loses Clayson, perhaps he loses, perhaps he loses Borowiecki to Vegas, perhaps he loses Chris Wyman to Vegas. So he keeps the top four, he keeps his top four intact, but he loses a solid young and promising young defender along with the return that the Golden Knights wanted. And that's tough to swallow when you consider my thoughts over 30 and nearing the end of his prime. He could suffer a serious injury down the road, God forbid, um, but that's possible. He could. Um, in my opinion, their best option was to protect Mark Mathot, leave CC unprotected, and then try to get a side deal with Vegas so they could skip CC and take someone else. Because if you lose Cody CC, at least you have the reassurance that Shabbat can come in and be that and be that young offensive defenseman that he's been hyped as. Yep. Uh, the other thing I'm wondering is if Mathot's contract was left unprotected, does that mean Dorian thinks we have a guy like Mark Mathot waiting in the wings? Like, do we have a Borowiecki who's a hitting machine? Could he beat that guy? What about Weidman or Clayson? Both have con- this considerable upside to their games. And I keep hearing this uh, prospect, Andreas Engeland, who's who's got some upside to his game as well. Um, that he could be a good shutdown guy. Uh, maybe Dorian feels that either one of those four defensemen can play a critical shutdown role on this team. 
The problem is I don't know if they can do that this year. And that's why I was hoping a guy like Mark Mathot would still be here in the here and now because we're talking about a team that just went to the Eastern Conference Finals. If you're losing a guy like Mark Mathot, I think that sets your team back. And I think they would have been wise to go. And, and I think um, in, if they're going to lose a guy like Mathot, I think they're wise to go for a short-term fix on defense on the open market until one of those youngsters can do that job. Now, Girardi is a right-handed shot. Uh, Mathot is left-handed, so he wouldn't be a good fit. Someone mentioned Jay Bolmister, a left-handed shot making $5.4 million over the next two years. Same offensive production as Mark Mathot, which isn't much. Um, but if you get him, it's going to be by a trade with St. Louis, and they're probably going to have a high asking price for a guy like Jay Bolmister. So um, I think the Sens are in a pretty big bind with this whole thing. But there is a silver lining here, and that is now that Mark Mathot's out of the picture, all of a sudden you've got some cap space. And you look at a guy like Mark Stone, who after next year, when he's finished making $4.5 bucks, he is going to be an RFA. Turris is making $4 million big ones next year. After that, he is a UFA. Broussard's getting $3.5 million over the next two years. After that, his contract is up. Pajot and Dezingle, both are RFAs right now. CeCe and Clayson, both RFAs next year. Mike Condon, UFA at the moment, uh, whereas Anderson, Borokop, and Weidman are all UFAs after next year is over. And then, in the final two years of his deal, Eric Carlson is making $7 million and $7.5 million. After everything that he's done, you can only wonder what kind of money he's going to be wanting for his next long-term deal. Uh, so that $5 million vacated by Mark Mathot could go a long way for this team. So in a sense... Maybe it's not the worst thing that Ottawa lost, Mark Mathod, but just given what he brings in the here and now, it, it, it definitely hurts to see him yeah. go, especially considering that probably Ottawa didn't want him to go to begin him. Yeah, that is a good point that you bring up in terms of uh, like having a stay-at-home defenseman. Um, like, he, you know, that's like those are the people that like aren't, they don't get all the glory, but yeah. they're important, you know? Exactly, as the as we'll find out in, in terms of who the Bruins drafted. Um, but, yeah, it's like, you're right, though. You would think, though, that this, like, at least for the Bruins, like, yeah, it hurts that we don't have Colin Miller anymore, but at least we have so many defensemen in our farm system where I, I didn't realize that the Senators don't really have a lot of defensemen um, that can fill that hole, um, per se. So um, it'll be interesting to see. Um, by the way, so by the way, so we saw that. Um, so we mentioned that Carlson and Marchand got the uh, All Star first team. So I looked this up. The first All Star team is Bobrovsky and Goal, Burns and Carlson and D McDavid, ah. McDavid, Patrick Kane, and uh, Marchand um, as the three forwards. And then the NHL second all-star team, which is still a pretty good team too, is uh, uh, Braden Holtby in goal, uh, Hedman and Keith as your defensemen, Crosby, Kucherov, and Panarin as your forwards. Um, so uh, yeah, it's uh, I, I would like I would root for I would think that team uh, would be unbeatable. Uh, Marshawn, Patrick Kane, McDavid, Carlson. 
uh, Bobrovsky and Burns lineup would be kind of uh, crazy. Um, I uh, hope so. maybe they make that as like an all-star feature, like the previous all-star teams just go head-to-head just yeah. for kicks, you know, see who who's really better, you know? <laughs> just uh, <laughs> that would be funny. Um, I mean, we got a lot of yeah. gimmicks to begin with. Why not add two more teams? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Double shift them. Just, uh, or, yeah, like have like the first all-star team play the second all-star team, something like that. Yeah. Well, it's, it's There'd funny. probably be a yeah. lot of uniform switching, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's funny because we were just mentioning how, like, we were mad that Carlson and Brent Burns were, uh, you know, we were debating with them. But, like, imagine them on the same team. That would be nuts. Yeah. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It'd be funny just to put up both yeah. on forward, see how they do. Yeah, yeah, that'd be... Well, didn't Burns play forward? Oh, he did play forward. Played? I know Carlson hasn't, though. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, it'd just be funny. Carlson was actually a goalie when he was young. Really? Interesting. Yeah. All right. Well, anyways, social media. Um, you can uh, follow us on Twitter at Laysome Podcast. Uh, Facebook, Laysome Up. Uh, we're on SoundCloud, although I'll let we're still on SoundCloud somehow. Uh, I'll let you know when we're not. Um, you can also, um, uh, oh yeah, you can also email us at uh, laceupbag at gmail um, We're also on fan tracks. I have an article coming up, which is the top ten uh, unrestricted free agents to look out for. Um, it should be out on Monday, maybe Tuesday. We'll see. Um, yeah, I think that's it. I'm Brett Duboff. I'm Stephen Ellsworth, and we'll talk to you again very soon in episode 83 of the Lace Em Up podcast.